So look at the heart of valor, the heart of courage. This term valor has been changed through the, mm -hmm. centuries, through the centuries, and I think we need to reclaim its intentional mm -hmm. rootage. What does it mean to be a person of valor? This is Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. On our last broadcast, we begin a new series simply called Valor. If you missed this broadcast, you can find it on our website, momentsofhopechurch.org. But today, David and his wife Marilyn give us insight into two people of valor from the Old Testament, Gideon and Esther. So let me ask you this, uh, a definition of valor, what is it? Well, you know, a simple dictionary definition, if you want one, is courage in the face of danger. Um, but even if you don't quite know how to define valor, I think we all know it when we see it. And I think that word valor, again, usually connotes a lot of courage and strength and self-sacrifice. But sometimes the world um, tosses us a different viewpoint. And so I want to define out just what people thought of when they thought of the words courage and bravery. So I googled a man and a woman showing courage. Okay, so let's look and see what the first images that come up are. Let's see what a woman showing courage. Okay, so she's climbing, a, I guess it's rock climbing, climbing the side of a mountain. Looks pretty intense to me. I don't think I'll try that one. Um, but then the next one I specifically said was a man showing courage. <laughs> I'm not sure that's courage as uh, much as stupidity, it is. stupidity if you stupidity. ask me. <laughs> but, but so it went. I, you get the drift. I mean, when you Google courage and bravery, a lot of it's extreme sports or daredevil stuff. You know, and very little of what you get tossed you know, by the world is that whole idea of self-sacrifice and the courage that really lays down your life to help somebody else. So that's why we were so really captivated by the biblical example and, and understanding of the word valor. Yeah. And, and in the whole idea of courage to challenge all of us, yourself and myself included, uh, married, single, young, and old, mm -hmm. to this call of God that he evidently gives his most precious saints in the Bible regarding courage, regarding Valor. So we'd like to look at two biblical examples of valor and courage, two people actually who were called people of valor or people who expressed courage. The first one is Gideon uh, in the book of Judges. Now, if you don't understand the book of Judges, uh, they were the darkest days in Israel's life and history. Uh, my daddy used to say all the time that every great civilization goes through three cycles. First, it abhors sin, then it endures sin, then it embraces sin. And when it's starts calling good evil and evil good and that embracing of sin, that's when a civilization really is in decadence. Well, Israel went through those same cycles, and when they fell into the bottom of accepting sin, God would raise up a judge who would be his leader to free them from the oppression of another nation. Well, in Judges 6, the Midianites, Israel's enemies, had overtaken them, and so God raised up a man named Gideon as his judge to overthrow the Midianites. But what's so fascinating, Gideon is from the smallest family, the most insignificant person yeah. in the family, and didn't have any notoriety whatsoever. He's actually hiding from the Midianites in the wine press. And what's so fascinating, in Judges 6, 12, the angel of the Lord appeared to him, to Gideon, and said to him, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor, of, valor, of courage. And, and the guy is hiding out. He's a wimp. And God comes to him through an angel and says, 
you mighty man of valor. Because isn't it great guys and gals that God does not look at who we are, that through his strength, he looks at who we can become. May I say that again? That through his strength, he does not look at who we are. He looks at who we can become. And so God then said to Gideon, and the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you. When God gives you a call, you got to go, don't you? And what's interesting with Gideon is he then gave him the fleeced experiment and Gideon then saw that it was really God who called him. And then Gideon assembled 30,000 Israelites to fight against the Midianites. And some of you may remember the story. God whittled the 30,000 down to 300. So that God would say to Gideon, it's not in your strength, not in your might, but in my power that you'll be able to face the Midianites with courage. So Gideon fights the battle and becomes a great hero. His daddy even renames him as a part of his memory among the Israelites. So Gideon is a man of valor, a man of courage, and that's what his story expresses. And then there's a woman that you want to talk about now that's a, a woman of valor in the Old Testament named Esther. And Esther. And before we get into Esther, let's just pause a minute to just stop on that word valor. Again, because it's not one that we use a lot. And in the Hebrew, it's spelled, the actual Hebrew word is C-H-A-Y-I-L, which is pronounced Hail. And most often when you see Hail in the Old Testament, it is translated valor. It's used about 100 times, um, but it's used to describe everything from Gideon, mighty man of valor. I think King David was called a man of valor. All of his mighty men of valor were his warriors, but it's also used to describe God, was the God of the angel armies, and the, u- the word used for angel armies is Hail. So it's a very strong word. So it's, it's a, a military. It's a army kind of yeah, term, isn't actually, it? Actually, the, the Hebrew dictionary calls it strength, bravery, honor, capability, skill, valor. It could even mean wealth. Troop, army, and warrior. Um, but within that word is a real strong feeling of self-sacrifice. So let's go back then to Esther, another woman of valor. And, you know, I don't know who in this room is under 20, but we've had a lot of young people coming up to us afterwards because just about everybody that are in these examples of valor was a teenager. I think Gideon was probably a teenager. I know Esther was when her story first opens up. And you don't even see the word teenager in the Bible. They're just called men and women. But I mean, if you're a young person in here today, I want you to understand, even if you're not yet a teen, that you can still show valor even as a child. And I think all of us, you know, we know that fear is contagious, right? But isn't it amazing how when we see examples of men, women, teenagers, and children showing valor, doesn't it, courage is contagious as well. And so the book of Esther, the whole book of Esther, you can read it in one sitting, to me is is an example of such courage that it should make... We should feel courageous the after Is- reading it. The Israelites have been taken into the Babylonian captivity, and the Babylonians were the power of the day. Then after some time, the Persians became the power of the day and overthrew the Babylonians. But the Jews who had been taken into exile still remained in that area, but now they're under the control of the Persians. Uh, the king of Persia had a wife uh, that ticked him off, 
And he said, I'm done with you. So he holds a beauty pageant to choose a new wife. And it's Esther. And then during the time that she's in the harem as a teen, suddenly there comes in the heart of Haman uh, a desire to exterminate the Jews. Most of you know the Jewish people are the most oppressed people in the history of the world. And in this time, Haman had actually erected gallows to hang all the Jews throughout the world. And Esther had an uncle named Mordecai who raised her in the captivity. And Mordecai, seeing this extermination was going to happen, decided to go to his niece and to try to plead with her as a part of the king's harem to go to him and try to save the lives of the Jews, save them from extinction. So she's an orphan teenager, right? Like Gideon, she's not exactly who you would put in the hall of fame of faith. And even, and don't romanticize her role in the harem. Everybody goes, oh, she was married to the king, but she was just one of many. And if you actually went to approach the king when you were unbidden, he had the right to put you to death. So here's Esther there in the palace. Mordecai finds out about this plot. So he gets word to Esther to go and intercede on behalf of the Jews. And she's like, oh my gosh, this could get me killed and could, very likely would. But he says to her, these words, if you keep silent, this is Esther 4, verse 13, if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. So, you know, Esther has a lot to think about. And she throws herself on the mercy of God and she goes to God in prayer and she tells all the Jews to assemble and fast and pray for her for three days. And then she says this, then I will go to the king, though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. If I perish, I perish. So look at the heart of valor, the heart of courage that someone says, I'm willing to give my life even for other people to live. That's the true biblical definition of Galar. That's, that's Gideon going, I'm giving my life to be free from the Midianites. Esther, I'm giving my life to be free from the Persian domination and the potential extinction yeah. of the Jewish folks. And David, I think you and I would agree with this because we've looked at Christians all over the world that are giving their lives in such amazing ways. And you guys might agree with me on this. Um, deep down inside, don't you all feel a desire to be a world changer? I think everybody deep down inside just knows that we're made for something more. And we're made to make a difference in the more broken and hurting this world gets. And I think all of us have been so moved by what we've seen of these recent tragedies. And it just gives you a desire to, to give or to go or to do something. And, you know, the millennial generation, it's so funny because we've raised three. And it, depending on which studies you read, it's somewhere from around 15 to 16 up to about 36. And I know that millennials tell me we don't want to be called millennials. So I don't know what else to call them. They but, don't want to be studied. They yeah. want to be known is <laughs> what we known. hear a lot. Which, which, like I said, I love that generation. I love this generation because I think it's the future. And the Pew Research Group, which is a secular research group that does phenomenal studies, have, they've done the most conclusive study ever of this generation. It's called Confident, Connected, and Open to Change. You can... You can get online and find it. But there were three of the top findings that they found stirred the heart of the millennial generation. And again, remember, this is not a Christian study, nor is it just looking at church people. In fact, it's a very wide-reaching study. Marriage and the family, believe it or not, were the top two uh, concerns of millennials. Even though they're waiting longer to get married and have children, those were still the top two concerns. The third one was a way to serve the needy and give their life away. And I think that that just goes to show us that even if we don't think we're religious, 
if we're honest with ourselves, God has woven into us a desire, kind of a noble desire to give our life away to others. One of the other places we want to turn in this series that Marilyn covers in the book, Woman of Valor, is the Proverbs 31 woman, uh, who is absolutely fascinating in looking at her life. Uh, in Proverbs 31.10, it says, um, in that term you use in the Hebrew, eshet hayil, is the woman of valor who can find. Uh, so the search for a true woman or person of valor, mm-hmm. God is looking for that kind of person. Talk some about the Proverbs 31 woman. Well, and if you all are familiar at all with Proverbs 31, you're probably looking at that verse going, I didn't think that was the translation. I didn't, that's not the way I've always read it. Usually when you read it in an English Bible, it says an excellent wife, a competent wife, Eugene Peterson said, a good woman. <laughs> you know, they're just some very interesting translations of the term eshet hayal. But in, in the Hebrew, it's woman of valor. And so maybe you're like me. I was kind of going, why didn't I know that? And I'd actually researched about 21 versions of the Bible until I came to that one. And when I got to the Orthodox Jewish Bible, I saw woman of valor. And I was like, whoa, where has this been all my life? So I, you know, I Googled it. Whoever knew we were going to use Google as a verb? But anyway, I Googled it. <laughs> and there are hundreds of references to the woman of valor, all of them overseas, mostly in the Middle East, mostly in Israel, because it's, it's the Jewish term, but it's also their way of recognizing the worth of womanhood. They have woman of valor conferences, woman of valor plaques. And even on Shabbat, the night before their Sabbath, Jewish men either recite Hebrews 30, I mean, um, Proverbs 31, verses 10 through 31, which is the second portion of that and chapter. And some of them even actually sing it, Yeah, don't you can they? Google that, yeah. Would you on. like for me to do yeah. that? No, I didn't think so. I don't so. think so. Okay. No. Um, but, the, but they'll sing the verses because they're not making a list of all the things she does, which is kind of how the Western church has interpreted this, like, oh, she, you know, sells the clothes, she makes all her own dresses, she, you know, defends her family from enemies, she raises kids. Has an outside job. Has an outside job. It's such a long list, and people read that chapter, and they're kind of exhausted. But in the Jewish mindset, really what they're trying to do is just honor the woman that has given her life to that home and to that family. So we found it when we were doing our, our, our studies on marriage for the previous books, but we were just so fascinated fascinated that why has pretty much the Western church just kind of glossed over this whole concept of the woman of valor and reduced it to, not saying that it's not a good thing to be a virtuous woman, but virtue without valor is just, it's just kind of weak, don't you think? You looked back over 700 years of church history and biblical interpretation, and this term valor has been changed through the Mm -hmm. centuries centuries. and I think we need to reclaim its intentional Mm -hmm. rootage which Mm -hmm. is what you did going back to the 1300s. Which is kind of ironic because back in the 70s when I became a Christian I'd gone from being in about seven years of an atheist. At age 15 I invited God out of my life and I pretty much was convinced he didn't exist for about seven years. Thankfully I met him a year before I met you. <laughs> but, um, I'm glad for that. Yeah. yeah. But it was, I always said I was never going to become a Christian and I was never, ever going to marry a minister. So um, it's funny how we end up. Joke's on yeah. you, lady. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm happy I did both. <clears throat> but my point in telling you that is I was also very strongly, you know, in that 
pretty much second wave of feminism in the 70s, you know, you know, go out and save the world and hyper ambitious and all that. So it's interesting to me that I'm the one looking back through the centuries to find out, you know, how did we lose this woman of valor? And when you go back to 1300s and you see that the first person to really bring the Bible into the language of the common man was a guy named John Wycliffe. And he hand translated from the Latin to the English, the common English of the day, the whole Bible. Can you imagine how long that took? And so he found, well, he found Heil, first of all, to be the term that it was and translated it as virtuous. Now, isn't that interesting? There are two, there are, excuse me, 300 times the word virtuous is used as the translation for Heil in Wycliffe's Bible. And so I went back and found out what virtuous meant back in the 1300s when good old John Wycliffe was sitting there by hand writing all this. And virtuous in the 1300s was characterized by vigor or strength, having qualities befitting a knight. Knights were most often called virtuous. It meant valiant, hardy, courageous. Um, It was from a Latin word virtuosus, which was good and moral, strength, high character. So you did have the high character aspect of it. Manliness, vigor, bravery, courage, and war, and all this, excellence and worth. And it was from the Latin word vir, V-I-R, from which we get virile. So it was very manly and strong and courageous and worthwhile and and to go out and save the day and fight the wars. So virtuous was powerful. Uh, He didn't actually call the Proverbs 31 woman the virtuous woman at that point. He called her a strong woman, which is pretty close to what you're looking for here. But by the time you get up to the 1600s in the King James Version of the Bible, that word virtuous, which is still in the language of that day, Virtuous really meant moral excellence, chastity, and religious devotion. And it had lost completely the whole idea of valor or courage or bravery or warlike service or self-sacrifice. So when you see in the King James Version, go look it up, it's a virtuous woman. She pretty much had been emptied of all of her strength and courage. And I don't quite know why. You know, a lot of people have tried to say that it was because of gender um, bias and all these kinds of things. But, you know, I kind of wonder if it isn't just because words change. I was cleaning out the closet with my little six-year-old granddaughter, Anna Grace, and she calls me Mayor Mayor. And she said, Mayor Mayor, because I was pulling something out of the closet to throw away. She said, Mayor Mayor, what's that? And I said, well, that's a phone book. And she said, well, what's a phone book? (laughs) And I thought to myself, you know, it's just interesting how words lose their meanings. Why the word virtuous got watered down, I don't know. But what I do know is that virtue without valor is really empty. You are listening to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Thanks for listening. Coming up, David joins me in the studio in a conversation about how friends are like elevators. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Tony Marciano, President and CEO of Charlotte Rescue Mission. Let me ask you a question. What do you do when you stand at the intersection of homelessness and addiction? Let me put you in that person's shoes for just a second. What is it that you really need? You've probably been one of the individuals who stood at the end of the interstate ramp holding a sign that said, hungry, will work for food. But you never used the money for food. You bought booze and drugs with it. And most likely, you hate your life. Your addiction has stolen every aspect of hope. 
You want to be part of the fabric of society, but every morning your addiction screams and you surrender to it. There is one thing you do need, and that is transformation. The place to go is Charlotte Rescue Mission. Charlotte Rescue Mission works from the inside out to address the root cause of someone at the crossroads of addiction and homelessness. The Rescue Mission provides free, Christian, residential, high-quality substance abuse recovery programs to members of our community who otherwise would not be able to afford such services. With a passion for holistic transformation and a love for Christ, the mission's 120-day program has transformed the lives of thousands of men and women in our community. Charlotte Rescue Mission is grateful for the financial partnership of Moments of Hope Church. I'm Jen Houston. Thanks for listening today. Joining me in the studio is our pastor, David Chadwick. David, thanks so much for being with us today. Hi, Jen. Great being with you as well. Well, in this morning's Moment of Hope, you quoted your dad saying, friends are like elevators. What do you mean by this? (laughs) I can still hear dad saying it. Here's the complete phrase. Friends are like elevators. They'll either take you up or they'll bring you down. And it's so true. The scripture says it this way, do not be deceived, bad company corrupts good morals. That's from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. Wise words from the apostle Paul, bad company corrupts morals. Solomon, the wisest man in the world, said the same thing. He cautioned others not to associate with those who partake in intentional sin, Proverbs 23, 20. He knew that at some point, you'll become like the people you hang around. Now, why is choosing our friends wisely so important? Because people take on the traits, characteristics, and personalities of those with whom they spend time, including their habits, language, but especially their actions. It's a great lesson for anyone, but it's especially impactful for our kids, and we parents need to make sure that we teach our kids these truths, and you parents have every right to intervene when appropriate with kids that you think are wrongly impacting your kids to the kind of person you want want them to be. That's a responsibility clearly that parents are given by God in his word. So Solomon again said it this way, if you want to be wise, hang around wise people. That's Proverbs 13, 20. That's because your friends are like elevators. They'll either take you up or they'll bring you down. Wow. This is so insightful. And it reminds me of when I was in middle school and I lived this out. You know, I got, I got involved with a wrong crowd in middle school and I got involved in stealing and could have gone down into the that road of alcoholism but I I got set up by God and went to this revival service and got convicted and asked my parents midway through the year to take me out of public school and put me into private school because I was desperate to just get out of that crowd. And they did. Wow. My life was changed because of that. And and you really know that adage, birds of a feather flock together. You started taking on the habits, lifestyle, and actions of the people you hung around with. That's right. 
Yeah, well, we need to understand the power of that, not just for teens. It's something true even for adults. Mm -hmm. We need to choose our friends wisely because they can influence us to become somebody we don't want to become because of this innate desire so many of us have to be accepted. Yeah. Uh, for those of us who are people pleasers, especially. <laughs> My hands raised. <laughs> <laughs> we have a danger sign going off in our minds that are that's even louder and more red than ever because we know we're in danger peril of becoming like those people who might take us down the wrong path. That's so good. And the flip side of that is I would encourage our listeners to get around people who are hungry for more of God and who are on fire in their walk for Jesus. Yeah, that's a great point, Jen. That's the converse reality that as bad morals corrupt company, if you're around good people, they will bring good morals to you. And especially those who are passionate about Jesus, that's an infectious disease and mm -hmm. can make us better people as well. well. I know Moments of Hope is a great place to find people like that. Oh, this is so inspiring. Thank, thank you. you. Well, thank you, Jen. And I appreciate your comments. And everybody, if you'd like to receive a daily written Moment of Hope from me, please go to momentsofhopechurch.org. You can subscribe there. From my heart to yours, free of charge, every morning at 7 a.m. in your inbox, a word from me to give you a moment of hope. This has been Moments of Hope with David Chadwick, Senior Pastor of Moments of Hope Church. We would love to have you join us for worship this Sunday morning. We meet at Providence Day School, located at 5800 Sardis Road in South Charlotte at 10 a.m. You can find more information on our website, momentsofhopechurch.org. Again, come join us Sunday morning at 10 a.m. at Providence Day School, located at 5800 Sardis Road in South Charlotte. Our web address is momentsofhopechurch.org. For David and the entire Moments of Hope Church staff, this is Jen Houston asking you to pray for peace in the Middle East.